We must protect Clay Thompson at all costs. Clay Thompson is a national treasure. Stuff like this gets said all the time on the internet. It's exhausting. Those phrases get used so much, the words no longer mean anything. Also, Clay Thompson is a national treasure. We need to protect him at all costs. It's just true. Remember him talking about scaffolding on the local news here in New York City? He autographed the toaster. He sipped the Coors Light during the interview. And none of this speaks to his actual play, which could be described as a cybernetic robot come to life that strangely becomes more human than the rest of us. On January 23rd, 2015, Clay Thompson was home in the Bay to face the Sacramento Kings. In the first quarter, he hit three shots. Not bad. In the second quarter, he missed all three of his shots. But then came the third quarter. Clay actually didn't get a shot off for the first two minutes, so his 12-foot turnaround at 9.45 left started things off. At the 8.22 mark, Clay stopped on a fast break and buried a three at 7.14. He had another three on the break. Just about the quietest eight points in two and a half minutes you can imagine. But now, it's about to get loud. At 6.04, Clay one-handed an alley-oop from Steph. The next time down, he steps back for a three. three. Oh, he's feeling it. He's absolutely feeling it. On the next possession, Clay heat checks and buries a 28-footer. Oh, that's a deep one. He shot for the Piedmont. Oh, man. That's a 28-footer. Told you it was 28 feet. Next play, Clay comes off the screen for a three. And right in the bucket. A minute and change later, Clay with a quick release three. And Clay. Next Warrior possession, everybody on the court is just looking for Klay Thompson. His teammates are trying to feed him the ball. The defense is trying to stop him. So Klay drives right past them all. To the rim again. Next play, Steph gets a steal. Curry's going to find him. Play three. Yes, sir. Oh, man. 40. Kings miss another shot. David Lee rebounds it. Get it to Klay Thompson again. The Kings miss again, the Warriors have the ball. Get it to him again. He's got it. His three. (laughs) Have you ever seen anything like it? The Kings call a timeout. Good timeout, coach. You don't want to run like this to get out of control. Gotta cool off the hot hand. No problem. Next Warrior possession, Clay from three. Clay again, his three. Just 10 seconds left in the quarter, Clay brings the ball up, but the Kings foul him 30 feet from the basket to stop the play. He's going to the free throw line, but just for fun, and even though it won't count, Clay fires up another three just to see what had happened. Of course he made it. <laughs> he can't miss. I've never seen a shooting display like this. Never. Clay went on to make both free throws. Clay Thompson, 37 in a quarter. This is First Ballot. Welcome to First Ballot, the podcast that celebrates the moments in sports that really do matter and inducts them into the First Ballot Hall of Fame. I'm your host, Neil, the long-lost Gasol brother, the podcast Jordan Clarkson, a strong, fervent believer that Julia Louis-Dreyfus is still criminally underrated. Today's episode could be sponsored by Starter Jackets. Starter Jackets, the coolest shit ever. Starter or other companies with money, please hit up my sales team. Clay Thompson's 37-point third quarter is undeniably a great sports moment, but is it a first ballot Hall of Famer? To answer that question, we'll have to examine its Hall of Fame credentials, and we'll do that later with my very special guest. He's been a writer for ESPN, CBS Sports, and now The Athletic. He's a radio host for SiriusXM and the host of the popular podcast Cinephobe, and the proprietor of the Count the Dings podcast network. It's the one and only 
Zach Harper. Thank you, Zach, for being on the show. Neil, thank you so much. I honestly, I could talk about anything you want. I could. We'll talk about this thirty-seven point quarter. I, we could do a whole pod on Julia Louis Dreyfus being, being Chris, like criminally and historically underrated and underappreciated. I feel, I really feel like, like when I think about someone like Meryl Streep, you go, like a lot of people go, oh, she, oh, she's great. She's like yeah. one of the best, and I think she might be the best. But we be but like as men and men in media, you you go well. Tom Hanks, don't forget about Tom Hanks right. or somebody else. And like Julie Louis Dreyfus to me, from like top to bottom over her entire career, who is funnier than Julie Louis Dreyfus? I'm not certain I know of anyone. I I don't. I'm also like I've been rewatching Veep. Uh, yes, it's a show too. I've seen a few times, but yeah. like her everything, everything she does it's in that show so is funny. funny. Every reaction, every eyebrow everything. raise, every glare, like it's all perfect it's it's the big stuff the small stuff it's all just home run after home run she's amazing yeah she's incredible also during my intro you raised the starter jacket i did i I have i have two so i i have an atlanta braves (laughs) one and i have a minnesota timberwolves one which obviously it's a natural combination to have um yeah i just got the i just got the atlanta braves one not too long ago and i was trying to find a matching one for my dad and i couldn't find the right size so i'm a little little disappointed but i'm still on the hunt for that because uh, he raised me on on the Braves, and then the, the Timberwolves one is just cool. It's just yeah, a great one. Cool. I'm looking for a Dallas Mavericks one too. I saw a green one in the stands during the Warriors Mavericks wow. series. I'm like, I gotta yeah. have that. <laughs> Are you an Atlanta Braves fan? You said you got brought up on the. Atlanta I am. Braves. Yeah, I grew up on them. So uh, I got in. I think my dad's because it it helped. Like, so I grew up in Sacramento, and it helped that they're on TBS, so you could watch like yes. I don't know, 100, 120 games right. a year. Yes. And so my dad's from Atlanta, and so he was there, he was there at Hank Aaron's seven fifteen and everything. Amazing. And, um, and so he like was like, "We're gonna watch this. We're gonna watch this." And then out of nowhere, I think it was it might have been the second year. I don't think it was the third year. I think it was the second year I was like really watching with them, and that's when they got good. That's yes. when all of a sudden they went from worst to first, and you yes. know Terry Pendleton's MVP and all this oh, stuff, and. Yeah, and so like I grew up on like Mark Lemke and Jeff Blauser and hold Ron on, hold Gant. On, hold on. <laughs> I was just gonna say, can we go back and forth just naming random Braves? Oh, let's do like, it! Oh my no, god, let's do it! Yeah, you're gonna beat me now. I wanted. To, I was gonna start with Dale Murphy. Like in the second, yeah. you come out of the gates and go Dale Murphy. Whoever says Dale Murphy first, you know is going to lose. You've already done Jeff Blauser. You've already done Ron Gant. Like, oh man, I'm already I mean, cooked. I can't get past the first two rounds here. The greatest moment of my childhood wasn't Marquise Grissom catching the fly ball to end the 95 World <laughs> Series. It is Sid Bream's slide off of Francisco Cabrera's double. Like, I mean, I will that peak childhood for me was that moment, that slide with his slow ass going into home and Dave Justice just yelling, like, just Amazing. like going down, slide, slide. Yes. I mean, the greatest moment of my childhood, easily. I love uh, old. Nine. I don't know what it is. I love old baseball names. Again, I was gonna do it, and then you started just ripping names off. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, ju- I jumped the gun. There, yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, one thing just to add is, if I say the name Andy Van Slyke around my dad, he will swear. He hates him like you will <laughs> oh, not believe. Does. Like he might be the person my dad hates more than anyone not named Donald Trump. Like that is just so like funny. beyond. Yeah. Andy Van Slyke and Will Clark are the two batting stances that I tried to copy as a kid. Yeah, yeah. I tried to copy. Um, I, I Dave Justice was my favorite like uh, position yes, player. Of course. Um, when I when I was a kid, and then uh, when Andres Galarraga got on the team, I like opened up the stance <laughs> and wagged the bat a little bit, and like just tried to step in and just crank home runs. It didn't work out, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Big cat. Yeah. Phenomenal name. Great uh, pull here. Okay. Let's table set before we go any further. Now, you've named a couple people. You've named a couple teams. The first question right out of the gate is always, favorite sport, favorite team, favorite athlete of all time? They can all be different. Yeah. I'm curious to see where you're going to land. Favorite sport, favorite team, favorite athlete? Basketball, for sure. Basketball, for sure. Uh, I grew up, unfortunately, as a child, I chose to be a Timberwolves fan. Right. It didn't work out. I eventually got out of it as I got into media. I'm one of the few media people who's not like rooting for a team for some reason. Um, So I've just I've gotten out of that. Uh, But so it was the Timberwolves. Um, Man, I like I've read his book like 20 times. So I want to say Larry Bird because Larry Bird is my favorite personality of all time. But I got to I'll stick with the Timberwolves. stuff. It's Kevin Garnett. I know why people hate him. I get it. Like he was he was the entire reason like my Wolves fandom became sort of justified for like really four years. I, I could Amazing. say eight, but it was really like four years. Amazing. 
I a quick follow up on the Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. They're your favorite team. Yeah. Uh, quick follow up on that. What the fuck? Why are they? Why did you pick the Timberwolves? Why do you? I like honestly, them? it's as simple as like I think I must have been six or seven or maybe even eight years old at the time, and I just thought wolves were cool. Yeah. And my course. dad told me there's a they team are. named the Wolves. I was like, okay, oh, yeah. that's my favorite team. Yep. And so yep. like. I had uh, I well I still have it. I have a Danielle Marshall Wolves jersey. Oh I have a Zerbiac. God. I got a KG. Oh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it got it got ugly there for a while. Before we get into our moment, congratulations to the Golden State Warriors on what may be their little NBA championship. We don't know if they're going to win or not yet. We're recording this before history will remember the Golden State Warriors during this window, but not really probably this title. Listen, it's just my opinion. Steph and Clay, Draymond, legends. I'm glad this title that again maybe they won at this point. Uh, that legend, that title has cemented them forever as legends. And the last thing, again, presuming the Warriors have won the title at the time you've heard this, Draymond was right. He told Durant they could win without him, and then mm-hmm. they did. If you're the type of guy, racist, who wants to shut Draymond <laughs> Green up, you're going to want him to, number one, not win any more world championships, and number two, not be absolutely right. That's a tough combo for Draymond haters. Zach, what are your thoughts on this Warriors title, presuming again that they have won it? Presuming they've won it, I think it's I do think it's super impressive. Like it's not going to be as impressive as the 2015 one, but this team was so dead in the water for 2 years yes. that yes. I do think like Draymond He's made comments about it. I don't know if they're, I don't know if they're half joking, but like maybe I don't want to do this anymore. Maybe right. I maybe I retire early, right? Like kind of <laughs> yeah. kind of hinting towards that. And then you know Steph is back without the broken hand anymore. Clay comes back and. Yeah, you, know, you get the Timberwolves out of Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole gets uh, gets a little better, and you start seeing the pieces come together. Yeah. But I look, I I don't un, I I guess I get why people don't like Draymond uh, racist again, uh, just to <laughs> echo those points. But also, like he is right about just about everything, and everything. he's very honest to a to a fault yep. sometimes. And I think I just think with him, like it took a historic collapse in the most fluky way possible no offense like Cavs won the title in 2016 but you think mm-hmm. about the suspension and then Harrison Barnes shooting like 20 percent over the final three <laughs> games when he was shooting like 90 percent in the first like three mm-hmm. games of that series and everything you can make the arguments about 2015 and yes the Cavs were hurt I still think the Warriors were going to win that series I think they should have won 2016 yeah. and this is a dynasty like it's a true dynasty it and really it's is. done uh, mostly the right way with drafting and scouting and development they are amazing Zach, we got to get into our moment, and to do so, to decide whether this makes our first ballot Hall of Fame, we have to go through its Hall of Fame credentials. Those are the categories by which we judge every moment. The first credential is analytics. People love stats. They love to judge things by stats. Mm-hmm. Here are the stats based on this moment. Clay Thompson played all 12 minutes in the third quarter. He was 9 for 9 from three-point range, 13 for 13 from the field, 37 points total, of course. Now 12 times 60 seconds. Divided by the 37 points, Clay averaged a point every 19 and a half seconds, which is a lot of fun to think about. I don't even know how you do that. Tom Ziller tweeted that Clay averaged 2.64 points per shot in the third. His true shooting percentage, according to Tom, was a mere 132%. Good Lord. (laughs) The Kings had 22 (laughs) points in that quarter in comparison to Clay's 37. The -hmm. game was tied 60 to 60 when Clay took off. Yeah. Dr. NBA, another Twitter user, uh, tweeted that Clay Thompson scored 37 points in one quarter, and that same night, not even one of the other 234 players to play in an NBA game that night scored more than 34 points. So Clay scored more than anybody else in the league in just one quarter. Uh, Steph made two free throws in the third quarter. Draymond made a layup in the middle of Clay's run. Everything else was Clay Thompson. That's just like bananas. Clay finished with 52 total on 16 of 25 shooting, 11 of 15 from three, nine of 10 from the line, two boards, five assists, four steals, two blocks, and basically 33 minutes. No corner threes. Is that an X factor? No corner threes. Yeah, he came close on a couple because I I rewatched this quarter today, and he's like kind of like at the break or a little above the break. But yeah, no corner threes really on that one. Um, I think like I think that makes it way more impressive. I do I like it, no no cheap shots for him right like right. other than like a layup and a dunk like really no cheap shots everything was just either deep or off the dribble in rhythm. You know if we if we're deciding whether something's going to make the first belt Hall of Fame, which if you don't know the first belt, it's very serious. 
It's a very serious thing. I brought Zach on this show because he's funny. I want him to be funny. But whether it makes the first Bell Hall of Fame or not is not funny. That's not comedy, motherfuckers. That's very serious. We have to decide whether this is going to make it. And when you take shorter three-pointers, maybe that affects everything. Maybe some people start taking that away from you. Clay Thompson didn't do that. I think it's impressive. It's super impressive. And, I mean, they're, when you rewatch it, we all know we all know Bob Fitzgerald now of just being like like the superest of homers of yes of announcers right like I mean right. like, the Warriors could be down forty with just like it's Wiggins and Poole and like <laughs> Gary Payton the second no Clay no Steph no Draymond that night and it'll be like look they get this thing down to twenty by the end of the end of the you know with six minutes to go like you gotta watch out for the Warriors you think you don't think that they don't want to come back in this game like it's just the weirdest stuff right like it's just such a weird brand of announcing it's great. He is losing his ever-loving mind it's in this. So like it's, he was tickled. Like it was, really was, it was the homerism was there, but it was just unbridled joy. Like just yes. the most enthusiasm I've heard since since TNT was announcing the the Vince Carter dunk contest. Like I've never heard announcers just like giggling and laughing over any of that. It was it was true joy. It, what I loved about it is that it really it builds like a score, like a cinematic yeah. score. His announcing builds as the run continues and, and keeps going. His calls get crazier and crazier and happier and happier and more energetic and bigger words. And it's fun to sort of chart his progress with Clay's progress. It's a great point and a great note, which leads us to the next credential, which is the ear test. What did we hear? You're, I think you're absolutely right. Fantastic calls throughout that run. Uh, something else I'd like to pitch you. Good net sounds. Yes. I, I, I'm i a big proponent of turning up the basket microphones in the mix. Listen, I don't know if I'm the first person to say this, but I feel like it's something you can't disprove, so I'm going to say it on the show. I'm the first person to ever say this. Turn up the microphones on the baskets. I like hearing that. Whap, that net sound. I like it when someone mm-hmm. shoots that. And the really, if you watch the clips, if you haven't seen the clip, go to our Instagram at first ballot HOF. Watch the watch some of his highlights during that quarter. A lot of good net sounds, which I I think adds to a moment. Absolutely. And uh, you know, Tim Cato of the Athletic actually had something on this earlier this year on Dallas. Dallas actually has turned that stuff way up. They're the one arena. Like they they really have true? turned it. It's a real thing of them trying to them. figure it out. Tim Cato wrote about it. It's a great article. And it really is like you think about it, like it should that should be the standard everywhere. Everything can, sounds so much better. And even the misses like are so much more embarrassing when someone clangs a jumper <laughs> off the side of the rim and everything. Like it just sounds it sounds better. It is like a symphony of failures and successes and and I'm all for it. I can also I'd also like to add uh, as I watched this quarter the first time, the yeah. night it happened, right. it was a replay deep in the night at some bar slash club in Atlanta Amazing. with former Georgia Bulldogs quarterback Aaron Murray wow. standing beside me just going, what the fuck, the whole time. Like, we couldn't <laughs> believe, because we had heard about it. We had heard about it. I was out with friends, and one of the friends knew Aaron Murray, and so we met up at this place or whatever. And like, I'm, I'm kind of like starstruck for my dad knowing right. i'm gonna tell him like because he's a huge george bulldog fan so knowing that i'm gonna be like hey dad <laughs> i guess why i hung out with last night like aaron murray for like a little bit right and so but i'm like so we're watching this we're all reacting and going nuts and then i'm just hearing him like watch the tv just going what the fuck so that so that sound funny. of it also rings true for me that's really great i love that yeah. i i love Something that I didn't think about much as I was starting the show, but the more I, the more episodes I record, the more people I talk to, everyone has their own little experience of a particular sports moment. And just like you mentioning this quarterback, you take those things with you. It's part of the experience. Mm-hmm. It stays with you forever. It's yours. You own it. And I love that part of sports moments. Um, the eye test is the next credential. What did you see, Zach Harper? What did you see in this video that that might? help elevate it into first ballot hall of fame status it's the enthusiasm and the anticipation of the entire court that isn't clay thompson clay oh, thompson's feeling it like you yeah. could you could have told me he doesn't even know what game's going on right now right. Right? Like he thinks it's a scrimmage <laughs> a practice a preseason whatever <laughs> even though it's mid to late january but like because clay just has that persona right yes. like clay just has this kind of like eh, whatever's going on wherever whichever way the wind blows that's yes. where i'll go right yes and so but you can tell, like, once when he gets to 13 points, 
Yes. Bob Fitzgerald goes, he's absolutely feeling it. Yes. And it's like, yeah, and like 13 <laughs> points, a lot of points in a quarter, right? Like he is kind of feeling it. And then when he gets like a couple more shots to go, yes. I think it's actually there's one where he he's doing he's hunting for a heat check in transition. They yes. swarm him. It's one of yes. the few possessions where Kings actually started to play defense against him. <laughs> and so it's like Nick Stauskas and like Boogie Cousins like swarm him. And so he like gives it up to Draymond comes back out and gets it back and he points for a screen yes. and as Nick Stauska is kind of like relaxing he just yes, fires no that's dribble, right fires and at that point I think the Warriors realize oh shit something's going on here, I, right that is so, that that is my eye test uh comment as well that point yeah. in specific you could just tell he points for the screen and Stauska waits just to beat to come play defense and yep. Clay just goes fuck and I'm gonna let this one go yeah and when that one hits you can see on his face Something is going on. Something, and you can see on the the rest of the team is like okay, and so the rest of the time, even like Bob is is calling out for it. Whenever someone grabs, he's like, "Get it to Clay!" And then, <laughs> yeah, and then the the bench every time they get possession, of the the bench is back up. They're uh, standing. They're all anticipating. You can see shots in the background as he makes a shot. You see the bench on the other side of the court just going nuts, yes. like absolutely nuts. The Kings have no idea. Like they thought at one point, all right, what if we put six foot one Ray McCallum on him and like maybe that'll <laughs> slow him down, right? Like they had no idea what to do, no and clue. it's just every time, ev the whole court, all nine players on the court, even the refs, kind of are just looking like, all right, where's Clay? Let's yes. find Clay, and yes. they found him every time. And to me. That anticipation of like yes. everyone wants him to get the ball uh, at this point, and like that, it just you don't see that a lot in in NBA games. You I don't, you just don't see that like where everyone's now like get the fuck it, get this guy the ball. Like no I, one wants to wants it. I completely agree with you. It gets in those like moments. It gets frantic. Yeah, when players start going. Where is he? And the defense guard is going. Where and the coaches on the sidelines are going. What should I do here? I love that like crazy weird energy and yeah. a guy just riding that wave of that like momentum of j just being on that run and feeling good i love those moments i love you mentioning it uh, yeah. it's a fantastic ad to by the, the way one more thing about that moment yeah. where he's points for the screen that put him at 16 for the quarter yes he had 21 to go like that's <laughs> it's crazy that he's not even close to where he's gonna be for that I love you. I'm so angry that you mentioned the point because I was like, oh, I'm going to mention this point thing. And people oh, sorry. <laughs> and then you took it from me. No, it's fantastic. I really love that moment. It's the, uh, the same thing that I saw. Mm -hmm. uh, this show likes to celebrate moments with a little bit of flair. I don't know if Clay's 37 is going to make it to the hall, but we will celebrate it regardless. There are no bad moments on the show, but not everything can be in the first belt hall of fame. Someone I expect to fill the walls with plaques in the future is young Timberwolf Anthony Edwards. Can we talk about Anthony Edwards a little bit? How funny is that guy? He's the funniest person. Like, remember how, like, this is, oh, man. Maybe, not everyone felt this way, but, like, 14, 15 years ago, we were all like, oh, Dwight Howard's so funny for an NBA player, right? <laughs> yes. And it's just, and then, like, you got a little bit of distance from, like, oh, I don't know about that. Like, he did the weird <laughs> thing with a cookie on his face. Like, I, like that's yeah. not actually funny, right? <laughs> and so, like, we've had, in hindsight, I think we've maybe wanted to burn a lot of those takes, right. and I think it's good that a lot of that happened before Twitter was, a, like, really a thing, right? Yeah. Um, but Anthony Edwards is actually just funny not so for an athlete funny. like he's yes. just funny he is a hilarious personality he named his dog ant jr <laughs> like just he's like i see that i see a lot of me in that dog like he's just like he's a hilarious dude it's the way he talks it's the cadence it's the yes. country accent like yes. he's just it's the it's the unfiltered like we'll just yes. talk about anything i mean even when he's not being funny he like he's like yeah carlton towns needs to get the ball out of the double a lot quicker right he's just very <laughs> honest and yes. And and just like I mean, even the antics on the court where like he'll hit a three and then point to the other team like call timeout. What are you doing? Yes. Like yeah, I'm hot he's right now. So you can't do anything with great. me. Yeah, he's he, so he, good. He just has this irrepressible charisma, and I want him to have a good career. Not because I care about the Timberwolves or even necessarily him, but because I want him to parlay this into a long media career. I'd love to follow and see where he goes. I think he's just a star. I really enjoy him. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's a different funny than like Blake Griffin, who's hilarious, yes. right? It's a different right. funny, but it, I can see like a similar potential in that of like Blake is very dry. I think Ant is dry by accident. 
yes. not by like purpose, right? right? And it's just like everything he says is just funny. In the current Anthony Edwards rankings, where do you rank Anthony Edwards? Is Anthony Edwards, the Anthony Edwards we were just talking about who plays for Minnesota, is that Anthony Edwards above or below Anthony Edwards, the actor, the Anthony Edwards best known for the colossal hit show ER, and of course, the Anthony Edwards in Top Gun who plays Goose. I realize that now I could have just said, Ant versus Goose, who's the bit? Oh, better Ant versus Goose. Ant versus yeah. Goose. I mean, it's a <laughs> Where, tough who's fight the for better, the Anthony Edwards? Because Anthony Edwards, yeah. he's a great basketball player, a lot of dunks, great highlights, a lot mm. of fun. We just mentioned it. But Anthony Edwards, the actor, big monster shows, big monster roles. Mm-hmm. What, what's your answer here? Who's, who's the better, Anthony Edwards? Look, maybe I'm a little biased here. I'm going to go Ant over Ugh. Goose because I like Goose is, is great, right? And it's a like. The role of Goose is a great role. He kills it in that movie. He's great in ER, although you could say, all right, is he great on his own or did Tom Cruise prop him up, right? Is he great on his own or did Clooney and Juliana Margulies prop him up and like Noah Wiley, right? And Eric LaSalle, like I watched a lot of ER as a kid. Um, (laughs) Did they, they kind of prop him up with, with Ant Towns? D'Lo? We're not exactly like, yes, these guys carry people to greatness. Like, no, the Wolves became interesting. One, when Jimmy Butler was there, and then he got the hell out. And now Ant's there, and they're interesting again. I say it's Ant. Uh, what a great answer. I don't agree with it, but this show isn't about me. Uh, I, I do appreciate you comparing Eric LaSalle against someone like D'Lo. Yeah. <laughs> I hope this is the first of many Juliana Margulies name drops in this podcast. I re- It's a great answer. We're going to keep moving. The next category is the test of time. Mm. This is when we compare this moment, 30, Clay's 37-point quarter, against other moments like it in history. Other great quarters – Zach, do you know? I just looked this up, so I didn't know yeah. this. Do you know the list of players who had the most points in a quarter? Do you know anyone else on this list? Um, I know George Gervin had it for a minute. He did. 33 I say, in 1978. I want to say Mello's on there. He is. Next. He's also had 33 in 2008. Okay. This is amazing um, you've gotten to already. I would have had no clue. <sighs> I'd love you. There, oh, there are man. three other names you have to come up with in this stuff. In this, a, uh, the five this, other guys underneath. This is a guess, but I, Kobe's got to be in there. He had eighty-one in a game, right? Kobe's got to be in there. Kobe is not on the wow. list. Wow, isn't that amazing? Is that possible? You dropped eighty-one in a game and didn't have a quarter <laughs> of thirty-three. Or, in, or my goodness, uh, okay, isn't that amazing? That's insane to me. Um, Steph, Steph. I know Steph's got a bunch of 20, 25 point quarters, but I don't know if he had a thirty. Steph Curry, also not on the list. Wow, <laughs> Bernard King? No, I'm sorry. Wow, I'm now I'm now, I started out so well, and now I'm just fizzling <laughs> out. Like all a right, Harrison let me Barnes give you finals. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you, Harrison Barnes doesn't deserve that. David Thompson <laughs> had oh, 32 okay. in a quarter, and he tied. Someone else had 32 in a quarter. Carl Anthony Towns. Oh, okay. Oh, the ninety and sixty, maybe. I, it, I, I, that, I don't know. I didn't look. Yeah. I didn't write it down. <laughs> That's fine. But David Thompson, Carl Anthony Towns both had thirty-two. Mello had thirty-three. Gervin had thirty-three. Number one, or number two, underneath Clay. I had no clue this happened. I'm not even joking. No clue. I look. I saw this name and I was like, wait, am I supposed to do a podcast on this guy as well? Kevin Love had thirty-four. The next year, 2016. Did you remember that? 34 in a quarter? 34 in the first quarter. What did he end? I got to know what he ended up with in that game because, like. That's a great question. Let me look it up. 34. Kevin Love had 34 and a quarter. And that was at. So he was a a Cavalier at that point, right? right? Yeah. That's right. I think it's insane that the 2016 Cavs had LeBron at his tippy top peak. Yeah. Young Kyrie. And then Kevin Love, who. What I remember Kevin Love for is that like absurd. Didn't he have like some crazy fucking thirty thirty game? He had a thirty thirty game um, back in like oh nine or two thousand, maybe two oh two thousand ten. I think it was. It, it, to me, I go Kevin Love's thirty thirty isn't the craziest thing he's done. He had a thirty four point quarter. I can't believe it. Anyways, I love that all three of them were together. I love that they won a title yeah. so that they'll be remembered. That is a crazy team. Um, but I, I honestly had no – if you had said to me, did Kevin Love score 34 points in a quarter, I'd say absolutely not. Right. He had the record for points in a game as a Timberwolf, and then Corey Brewer broke it? 
Amazing. Is that true? I was, I was at well, I was at the game where Corey Brewer broke it. Um, it was a, like maybe the last or second to last game of the season. The Rockets were in town. James Harden was not running back on defense. So it was just it was 51 <laughs> points of just runouts for Corey Brewer. And then after the game where we must have waited an hour to talk to him because he got randomly drug tested oh, and he wow. couldn't pee. So he wow. was just chugging water, chugging water, <laughs> chugging water. It finally comes out. He's like, sorry, guys, I couldn't pee. I don't know what to tell you. Like it was it was so it was such a Corey Brewer moment. Um, and then Mo, and then I know Mo Williams tied that record yes. or maybe. T- oh, no, Mo Williams broke that record. I think he got 52 in a game, but maybe that was overtime or something like that so i don't know which one counts yeah Uh, kevin love i looked up the game kevin love had 34 in the first quarter finished with 40 that's that is just a complete lack of awareness by his teammates totally that is you gotta let that guy try to get 60 in that game right you just have to keep feeding him that's that's irresponsible also, it's LeBron. You think he? I mean, I'm not surprised because of LeBron. I'm not surprised he got set up for all those great shots in quarter one. But right. I'm surprised LeBron j- just didn't keep feeding him. Maybe he called the dogs off. Maybe he was like, "I'm tired," or maybe told them like, "Don't worry about it." But I completely agree with you. You gotta let that guy cook if he scores. I don't remember that quarter at all. That's fascinating. To me. A total blip. Yeah. I think the more meaningful moment to compare this against is Sleepy Floyd's twenty nine and a quarter for the Warriors. Yeah. Uh, now, um, I, honestly, I know Sleepy Floyd because it's a great nickname, and I know Sleepy Floyd because of this 29-point quarter. 12 field goals, beats the Lakers, the 87 Lakers, the vaunted 87 yeah. Lakers who go on to win the championship. One, In my opinion, one of the best teams of all time. Absolutely. He beats them in game four of a playoff series, scoring 29 in the quarter. No chance a player scores 29 in a quarter today. And doesn't create a meme. Like, you don't really know anything. <laughs> you know Sleepy Floyd scored 29, but you don't have, like, any lasting memory. If that happens today, giant difference between today's game and, and the game in 87. If someone scores 29 and a quarter today, they're 100% doing something on purpose to create a meme. Absolutely. Big, giant difference between the two. I'd also like to reference the fact that Clay's game, January 23rd, I believe, absolutely meaningless. Sleepy Floyd's game, game four of the playoffs against the eventual world champs, if Clay's 37-point quarter isn't the greatest single-person scoring quarter event of his own franchise, should it make the first ballot Hall of Fame? It's a great question. It's also, look, it's not necessarily a quarter talk, but his 60-point game where he took 11 dribbles yes. is probably one that's more memorable to a lot of people, right? And then any yeah. it's I mean I mean it's not really fair to compl- compare a quarter against the Kings versus like game 6 Clay, but also like game 6 Clay comes into like yes. he's just had a lot of crazy performances just shooting the ball. And so yeah, that definitely goes against him, but then I would say this as a retort. Why when discussing LeBron James MVP candidacy over the years did some people say, well, we've seen him play better in other years, right? right? right and it's not right. that has nothing to do with that That's particular season, it, and it's something I've always hated when people do that. They're like, well, yeah. Le, you know, LeBron was much better in 2013 than he is now, like let's say like 2016, 2017, whatever. So should he be MVP or considered blah, blah, blah? I'm like, what does that have to do with this one? Like that, that's point. crazy to me. And so like Clay, if we're just judging Clay's 37-point quarter, I don't know how much we should judge it against other clay performances. Now, I think the Sleepy Floyd comparison is an excellent one because you did it against the 87 Lakers versus the <laughs> 2015 Kings. It's not quite the it's the literal like opposite ends of the spectrum. Like someone lit up Michael Cooper and Magic Johnson, the other lit up Ray McCallum Jr. and Nick Stauskas. Like it's not exactly the same caliber, right? <laughs> You dragging Ray McCallum Jr. into this twice now. Twice. He's, my favorite really thing about Ray McCallum Jr., and yes, I do have a favorite thing about him, is that remember <laughs> when there was the Players Awards that first yes, year? Yes. They have the ceremony. The first year they had the ceremony, I think it was in Vegas, and Spurs won the Players Award for Best Team. And Ray McCallum Jr. was the only one there. So he oh, had to go no. up there oh, and, accept, and the accept the award. And nobody knew who he was. Like, it yeah. just was so mean. <laughs> I honestly don't think I could pick Ray McCallum Jr. out of a lineup. I I, I really don't. Um, yeah, I, I, I might be able to, but I'd probably get him confused with, like, a younger version of Earl Watson or something. I don't know. <laughs> 
The next credential is the MVP, the most valuable part. What's the most valuable part of this moment? Do you have something that sticks out that you go, that's it. That's the top of this mountain. That's the most important. If you remove mm. that more singular piece, who knows? Maybe we're not even discussing this quarter. What is it about? What's the most valuable part about Clay's 37 point quarter? I mean, so I've got to, I've got to be, I've got to be a responsible person here. Cause what I want to say is, is yeah, go back to Bob Fitzgerald. There's a point where like he, he drives in for a layup over Darren Collison and somebody, I yeah. can't remember who, who else it was. And so he drives in against them and gets a layup and, uh, and they, they keep it at least the highlight package. I, I watched, they, they kept it on for the next possession and Fitz at one point goes, I don't know, Jim, I'm going to have to think about whether or not he's an all-star. I'm going to have to really think about it. Uh, I'm not sure if he's an all-star, Jim. I'm going to really have to think about it. <laughs> and I'm just like, dude, Fitz is always selling. He's always selling. I appreciate that. But that's more of a Bob Fitzgerald moment than it is a Clay Thompson moment. So I can't go with that. I think for me, it's... There, there are two. One, it's the point for the screen and then just pulling yes. it, right? No yeah, dribble, yeah. no nothing. 32 yep. feet away, just pulls it. Yeah. I think that's there. But there's another one where, where Steph gets the ball, and at this yes. point, everyone's looking for, right. for Clay. Yes. Steph's on the left side, bring it up. He slings a pass, like kind of sidearm across the court. <laughs> Clay kind of like goofy legged, like almost like stanky legged it and then like just pulled <laughs> pulled from three and knocks it down cold and like the bench the Warriors bench lost it at that lost point it. they completely lost, lost it. it and that point um that's probably the one that sticks out for me just because he caught it so goofy Steph was clearly looking for him the uh, the whole way and then everyone just explodes when he hits that shot I love it by the way I want you to know in my MVP again I had that exact moment pulled and really? I have the I have the use of the word sling. Steph yeah. slings he the ball does. across he the court. He slings that thing. I think left-handed too. I left-handed, can't remember. Left-handed off yeah. the bounce, slings yeah. it across court. It's and a it little a behind pass. Clay. Yes, it's a terrible it's a, pass. Yes, yeah. it's a little behind Clay. He catches it, and you're yeah. absolutely right. He sort of stanky legs it, and it goes in, and you start to see some happiness on his face, like he's pretty dialed in up yeah, until he's, that point. He's jazzed he up go. at that point. Yeah. yeah, it's really great. These are a lot of fun to talk about. This is a lot of fun. Yeah. Okay, the next category, burning questions. These are the questions. The answers to these questions might decide Hall of Fame status or not. First question to you, Zach. Was Tyrone Corbin respecting the run or was his head up his ass? Why does he not call a timeout? Did he appreciate what he was watching and let it go oh. and let it breathe and be art? Because not calling a timeout mattered to this moment. Right. Why did he not call a timeout? Was he respecting the run? Does he have no clue how to coach? Look, there. it was either going to be Ben McLemore or Derek Williams or <laughs> Ray McCallum Jr. or Nick Stauskas. <laughs> I don't think he had options there. I think he's like, look, That's fair. this may run out. It may not. I'm not going to use my timeouts now. It was just a tie game. <laughs> yeah, which, I, it was we just might get tied. <laughs> they can't guard Boogie. They might like, hey, we might we might make a run, and I need these timeouts down the stretch. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna side with Tycor. I think he did the right thing here and just letting oh, it great. play out and just oh, seeing. All right, great. maybe he'll shoot himself tired. Right. It's like a, a like a puppy. <laughs> like you just like look. I don't like that he's biting everything. He's running around. He's got the zoomies or whatever. But like, you just have to see if he's going to tire out and just fall asleep. I think he I did that it. with Clay, thinking Clay might not know where he is. Inadvertently really made a big, giant difference. That thing being unfettered, being unstopped, really matters. Ty Corbin, after the game, said, quote, we tried to double him, but he was getting them off so quickly we couldn't get any help to him. That's no, amazing to think about. No, you didn't. I watched that quarter just now. <laughs> no, you didn't try to double him. There was one play where you tried to double him, and that's it. Like, no, do not lie to us, Ty. That is not okay. <laughs> the next burning question does Clay's fourth quarter performance matter here? He missed the first shot of the fourth and then missed his next two shots from the floor in a row, got yanked and shelved. Does it matter that it ended pretty quickly at the mm. top of the fourth and then he got benched for the rest of the game? Does that matter here? No, because that's not it's not his fault he's playing against the Kings. Right. You know, it's not his fault that he's like he doesn't really have competition in front of him. It, it it's kind of, you know. Kobe goes for what 62 and three quarters gets pulled because it's not a game like right. that's sometimes the game just look they they didn't need to push that against the Kings in January I, I I agree with you again you know a lot of podcasts and shows will find people with differing opinions so there's like an interesting conversation <laughs> and this has all been you going sometimes here's my sometimes answer you just and need me to going, hype man each other you know sometimes <laughs> it's just like we just agree and we have to celebrate something together 
I think, I think it actually makes the moment better. Let me explain to you why, Zach. Okay. I like the fact that he did nothing in the fourth and they were like, forget it. Because the moment was over. It, it, yeah. it him, him fading off in the fourth and getting pulled made it this like transient, fleeting thing. It was gone. The moment it was there and everybody felt it and then whoosh, it was gone. It vanished. It evaporated and it was gone. Like I like that it made that it encapsulated it to just this quarter. We're not having a podcast on Clay's second half. We're talking about specifically the third quarter because it was a thing. It was a moment and then it was over. So I I don't I, I asked that question, but I want to immediately dismiss it. I think it's a bullshit question. I think you're right. And I also think like it's kind of like uh you find out there's a blood moon this month, right? And you're like, what's a blood moon? You're like, I don't know. Is it going to happen again? I don't know. It's just the moment. Look at the moon tonight. That's all it's going to be. Right. Right? I can't tell you. We don't know anything about this. We've just invented blood moons lately. Like, that's just what it is. And so I think that's Clay's quarter. It's like, wow, could he do this again in the fourth? I don't know, man. He's not out there. Like, they pulled him. He took a shot. It didn't work. They pulled him. Like, the game's over. Like, just enjoy the third. Go watch that later. I knew you were going to compare this to a blood moon. I knew it. <laughs> it's Look, it's cliche for a reason, right? <laughs> Zach, on your podcast, Cinephobe, you watch movies that have been poorly rated on Rotten Tomatoes or or, or just online. Does it matter where it's been rated? It is No, we do go by Rotten Tomatoes, and it's not a great system in terms of like reviewing movies, but it's just like this gives us a criteria to right. always be able to like it. It either qualifies or it doesn't. And then you and your co-host try to ascertain yeah. whether those ratings are accurate or not. What are the movies that you've watched that you thought were actually good and therefore misrated. Like, what was the giant discrepancy between the movie you thought was great and the rating mm. that you saw? I think the biggest one for me, and it's it's a movie I watch probably once a month. Like, it's it's a it's one of my favorite season. comedies of all time, and I, it's gonna like it's gonna be baffling to people, but just trust me. Like, watch this movie; it's fucking hilarious. Horrible bosses too. Oh my! Horrible bosses too. <laughs> the fact that that qualified pissed us off. Amin and I have been have been quoting that to each other forever <laughs> it it qualified it was like the critics had it like 36 percent or something like that right we do 40 percent or lower so it, it barely qualified but it qualified and the entire episode isn't even i don't even think it's a good episode by us because it's just me and amin quoting the next line to each other like trying to one-up each other on who remembers like it was it's one of our worst episodes but it's just for us it was super fun but that's a movie where i'm just like how did this qualify like i sincerely think it's one of the funniest movies of like the last 15 years and then there were two um that i'm baffled qualified it one was rocky four qualified we did rocky four and i i I just i was shocked that people didn't love it and and then uh one of i'll just admit it's a sexual awakening action jackson with carl weathers it's like carl weather like you have carl weathers you have vanity you have a young sharon stone like it is nothing but sexual chemistry and sexual (laughs) vibes throughout the entire thing like carl weathers barely has a shirt on for half the thing he runs down a taxi and flips over it like it is (laughs) unbelievable and i just he Oh my God! He drives a car up the stairs in a house and then hits a tight corner around a a wall and down a hallway in a fucking like Ferrari. Like it doesn't make any sense, and it's just like I was shocked that that qualified it too. I mean, it, those are two of my favorites. Amazing answers. I yeah. can't. I can. I was literally like sitting here with bated breath. I was like, "What is he going to say for this first movie?" When I was younger, I have a, a very good friend who used to anytime someone would ask like, "What are your favorite movies?" I would have a friend like jump forward and be like well neil i know you really like u.s marshals right and he would like always just like interject that as like my answer any chance he had to be- if somebody mentioned tommy That's lee jones he's like neil yeah. you love u.s marshals do right. you have an opinion on-? like he would always sort of jam that in to try and make me look bad to yeah. me horrible bosses too and u.s marshals are in that like sure. middle ground where you i don't believe people have actually seen it very right. fun to mention this is this guy's favorite movie you guys can all take that with you as you're listening to this podcast telling tell tell people that someone's favorite movie is uh, horrible bosses too it'll be a lot of it's fun. just it, it's fantastic and it definitely didn't shoot him together because sudeikis is considerably less fat in the second one than he is in the first <laughs> one so he definitely like got successful at that point and like got into better shape um but yeah it's just got the incredible banter and one-liners um i think my version of that of the u.s, the US marshals one uh or i guess i don't even know if you actually like u.s marshals i'm just gonna assume you do no, I've never but even i had uh, so i had i had a girlfriend years ago and and she was just 
you know, it it was a toxic relationship. This is like <laughs> this is literally like twenty years Got ago. It. I can and, see it on your face, by the way. And I was I was afraid to break up with her. I was afraid to break up with her because I didn't know what was going to happen and everything. Right. Like so, um, it's so at one point she gives me a gift, and it's a DVD that's wrapped up, and I open it. <laughs> I haven't seen this movie at this point. I've never talked about this movie at that point. I never even thought of watching it. When I tell you that I opened up this wrapping paper and saw Mr. 3000 starring Bernie Mac, I could (laughs) not believe... She's like, I know you've been wanting this. And I was like, who told you that? I've never thought about this movie. Not once. Not once. Uh, And so for a long time, I had a copy of Mr. 3000. It's probably great, but I just, I never watched it because I I didn't know what to do with that. A fantastic story. A fantastic answer to my U.S. Marshals. That's a perfect, (laughs) perfect ad there. The next credential is a new one. It's called the press conference. These are some of the quotes that from the players after the game. Steph said, I'm going to read through a bunch of these quotes and we'll talk about them afterwards. Steph Curry said, they knew at some point that all we were doing is dribbling around trying to get him the ball. It was like Will Smith and Fresh Prince just dribble around and give him the ball. <laughs> Great quote. Great uh, reference, yeah. Draymond said, I quote, I got me a layup in. I know y'all caught that because Draymond had that one, <laughs> that only other basket in the middle of this run. Yeah. Uh, King Center DeMarcus Cousins said, it happened so fast there wasn't any time to really think about it. I love an NBA player being like, it happened so fast. <laughs> it happened over 10 minutes. He didn't score for the first two minutes of the quarter, and then it happened for 10 minutes of just blitzing you guys. What are you talking about? It happened so fast. <laughs> 12 <laughs> shots. Warriors executive, the logo, Jerry West, Laker great, Jerry West, said, quote, I flew back after the game, and honestly, I couldn't go to sleep. I was replaying in my own mind what I had just witnessed. It was incredible to watch. It's something no one's watched to be honest with you. And that is putting it that way really crystallized in my head. No one has seen what happened in that night. No one had seen it prior to that moment and no one has seen it since. That's very true. And, and a, yeah. a great quote from Jerry. That's a great quote. Yeah. Um, I believe also there was a, I don't know if this was of that night, but I know in a remembrance, I saw that Draymond said like, you don't even get that hot in 2k, right? So like that, not even 2k. You, you don't get that hot. And like, I've, I, I think I've used this line in the past or whatever. I'm like, you know, when a player gets gets hot like them, like they've actually put algorithms in the game, in video games to stop that from happening <laughs> right. at this point. They yeah. like literally broke a video game. Like right. that's how hot Clay Thompson Amazing. was in that quarter. The next credential is Twitter fingers. These are the great tweets from this moment. We found some. Here's a tweet. January 24th, 2015, 11.22 in the morning. This is the day after. And this tweet mm-hmm. is by none other. Then talk hoops. Zach Harper himself. Zach, would you please read this tweet? I don't want to discount Clay Thompson's 37-point quarter, but it felt like 34. <laughs> there it is. And let me tell you, I watched this nine and a half minute video of of the quarter where they like they really play out a lot of the a lot of the possessions and let yes. Bob Fitzgerald and Jim Barnett do their thing and everything. But it's still like a truncated version of that of that moment. And I'll tell you this. In my defense, they only show 34 of the 37 points in that video. <laughs> I started charting every, th- every bucket. Every- all of a sudden, it's like 32 points, and then it's the two free throws at the end with five yeah. seconds left for 37. I'm like, where the fuck are the other three points? So I believe I believe in me here, okay? you. Here's another. I was looking through your tweets. I think you're a fantastic tweeter. If people don't follow you, please do. It's at Talk Hoops. Another tweet, Clay Thompson tweet, not from this game, but I, when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's so funny. You tweeted on June 9th, 2017. Did Clay even catch the ball before he shot it? That is very <laughs> funny and true. It looks like he's like hot potatoing the thing sometimes, yeah. just to like fire it out of his hands. And then it just always goes in. It's just a, an amazing thing to watch. It's become more commonplace and it's more taught now. You'll see guys like Duncan Robinson do it. But right. Clay is the first one I truly remember consistently catching a ball high right. not bringing it down yes. and just letting it fly out letting off a high go. catch and like i mean it that's so hard to do so that like that that is so hard to do to break what you think your shooting motion yes. is supposed to be that's off a catch because right. you used to catch it in the pocket and to catch it high keep your hands high not drop them at all and just flick it and knock it down like that's something that clay thompson where i'm just like he didn't even catch it there like it's just, like he's almost just batted into the rim from 23 feet <laughs> Bat- batted it. <laughs> yeah. The last tweet to read, Magic Johnson, January 24th, 
The next day, Magic tweeted, the Golden State Warriors have the best record in the NBA, and they should have two All-Stars in Steph- Stephen Curry and Klay Thompson. I mean... I mean, Bob Fitzgerald's <laughs> right there with them, you know? <laughs> quote, Another great quote, Magic Johnson Quote from Bob Fitzgerald. I'm not sure if he's an All-Star, Jim. I'm going to have to really think about it. I mean, that was, you know, <laughs> simpatico, two of the best. <laughs> the next credential is the X Factor... What is the you know the X factor? It's that thing you can't put you can't touch it right. You can't figure out exactly what is what is this what is the X factor in this moment? Is there anything that sticks out to you that is this sort of unknown quantity entity that should help this uh, moment make the Hall of Fame? Clay now has like a beard and he's got grown out hair and he's got the headband now and everything this. right. And this is a post. This is a post. Um, you know, injury look for him, and he kind of grown the hair out a little bit and had the beard a little bit since then. But at that time, there is an infamous picture of him as a middle schooler in like mm. Harry Potter garb, like with a mm, wand yes, and everything, yes, as yes. like a huge Harry Potter fan. He looks so much like that picture in this game. Like he's got this weird <laughs> goatee, um, this weird like almost like uh, like forty percent loaded goatee on his face. His hairline is odd. His like like it's just like it's not. It's not the image you think of Clay now. And so the fact that he still kind of looks like that young kid who's super into Harry Potter during this game, it was startling. As I, as I was watch, re-watching today, I just thought – I was looking. I was like, man, he looks way younger than I remember during this season. Yeah. yeah. I lo- what a great ad. I love this. 40% loaded goatee. I don't know if that's something you've said before. <laughs> I have you not said that before. One, you should 100% <laughs> trademark that. You should make t-shirts. Say it on your next pod because if you don't, I'm going to take it here. Yeah. I might even have my guy edit in that I added. You got to take 40- it out. Right. I'm going to like, hey, Rob, if you can just edit me in going, it's like a 40% loaded goatee. That is so funny. That should be like on your, your headstone when you die. Uh, 40% <laughs> loaded is fantastic and a great ad. He does look very young in this. I, yeah. I When I think about this era of the Warriors, I think about that I'm in love with the Coco uh, song and them singing Oh, the that's plane, right. Right? Yeah. I remember sending that clip to my friend Squib. Them all singing that song, I was like, this is bad. Because you could just see they were all on the same wavelength. And yeah. that sort of chemistry, that sort of like unknown, untouchable thing where they're all enjoying each other. They're in- engaging in this stupid, silly, like lip synky, you know, karaoke thing. I was like, this yeah. is bad. These guys like love each other. They're in on the same page. And this could be curtains for the rest of the league. And then they went on to win this championship. He went, they went on to win this season, which I think should matter here. Yeah, it it is part of a championship run, even though it's yes. January against the Kings. It's right. part of a of becoming a championship, like yes. championship team. That is the season where where it finally breaks through in, in the first year under Steve Kerr. And I, yeah, I, it reminds me of uh, of the Dave Chappelle thing back in the day, where he's just talking about like, uh, you know, they say they let you say skeet on the radio. How does it, how is this like how is this okay? How is this something that they've allowed? And it is just like the Warriors just like and I, I even think the NBA account at one point like retweets the video or sent out the video and something like, you know, courtesy of the Warriors or something. It's like, do you have any idea what they're singing about here? Like this is not a family friendly situation. I'm not a prude at all, but my goodness, like what are we doing? The next credential is the cosine. That is where. Zach, you have the floor. You have the microphone. You have to answer the question. Should Clay Thompson's historic 37-point quarter make the first ballot Hall of Fame and why? There are plenty of reasons to vote for this and to vote against it. Um, the fact that it is against a lesser opponent is not in his favor, right? right? The fact that it's not a playoff moment is not in his favor. The fact that it might not even be the greatest scoring quarter uh, in terms of impact, as you said, in team history is not in his favor. However, when a guy gets stupid hot from three <laughs> in a way that even the other team is – like when they're lying about their coverage after that, we tried to double – no, you didn't. Go watch the quarter. You didn't try to double him but one time, and even then I think it was an accident. I don't even right. think you meant to double. I think you just happened to have two guys there while you shot over him. Clay Thompson's 37-point quarter, it'll probably get broken at some point. Yeah. But – no one expects it to. No one like it was such a frozen moment in time, and I think that's the point of these Hall of Fame moments, right? It is a yep. frozen moment in time that deserves its own spot. If someone breaks it someday, okay, like then that's the new standard. Right. But he did it in 
one of the most efficient ways possible. Yeah. He didn't even really do it by chucking. Everything right. was pretty much in rhythm other than maybe two shots where he kind of gets a heat check there. Yep. The point for the screen, the you know, the sling from from Steph to the other side of the court <laughs> as the team blows up and like it's just it, Bob Fitzgerald, you know, just basically going full Bob Costas in the movie Basketball. Like, you think you're excited? Feel these nipples. Like, it's just, like it couldn't have been more of a Hall of Fame moment for me. So I will say it is absolutely a first ballot Hall of Fame moment. A great answer. A great cosign. Zach, I really appreciate it. Now it's time for the induction speech. That's when I, Neil, get to make the decision. I'll take mm. everything in that you've just said. I might dismiss it. I might accept it. I might agree with you. As with everything else in this episode, I am agreeing with you again. Wow. My favorite thing, my favorite thing in basketball is when a team goes on a run. Three, four, five possessions in a row. Everybody's made the crowd starts to absolutely take over. And then yeah. you and then the team's coming down again. They're on this run, and you know the next shot is going in. You just know it. And then it does, and the opposing team's like timeout. And everyone, the players, the crowd, the audience watching at home, you're everyone is awash in this like moment this feeling we're all experiencing the same thing we're all witnessing something extraordinary runs like clay thompson's 37 point explosion are when sport mixes with the supernatural maybe that sounds stupid but i believe it that type of basketball those runs are as close as you get to real live actual in the flesh magic you're watching those plays and everyone with eyeballs knows what's going to happen. You watch Clay one let go and you're certain it's going to go in. How do you explain that? How do you explain that? But for a brief moment, we can all as a collective see the future. Five years after Clay's 37, Warriors coach Steve Kerr told Wes Goldberg of the Bay Area News Group, quote, it remains the most amazing experience I've had in my six years of coaching in terms of the connection between the player and the fans and what was happening on the floor. I'm not kidding. I hope this doesn't sound like hyperbole, but it was like a religious experience, unquote. Whether religious is the right word or not is, is immaterial. Something happened. Something happened. We all felt it. And these are the moments, these types of moments are literally why we cheer. In the arena, at home, you cheer because you've seen it matter. You've seen the fans matter. You've seen the cheering drive a player to some weird, ethereal, fleeting level of greatness. And so we keep doing it. Whether you're in the arena or at home, you want to be part of that course. You want to be part of something that matters. This moment is magical. And for that reason, and for everything Zach Harper just said, Clay's 37. Welcome first to the first bow. Hall of Fame. Bravo. What a great speech. You, when you, when we were talking about having you on and you picked Clay's 37 point quarter, I was so giddy because it's such a fun thing to talk about. And I think of you as not just a, to me, I, I, I've told you this before the show, I think of you as like a comedian. Like to me, you are that funny. And to do it in the scope of sports really lands on me. That's exactly what I love. Someone that can be funny about sports. For to take Zach Harper and to combine it with this quarter, this pod, this episode should be great. I probably screwed it up here and there, but I, I really appreciate you coming on and doing this show. I'm glad you picked this moment. I'm glad it made the first Bell Hall of Fame. Zach, thanks so much for being on the show. What can you plug? What can you tell people about? How can people can how can people follow you? Thank you, thank you for having me on. It's been a, an absolute pleasure. It's one of my favorite experiences of just watching Clay Thompson shoot a basketball and people react to it. It's I think it's for it's everyone. You can be a, a Lakers lecture. fan or a Cavs fan or a Raptors <laughs> fan. It doesn't matter. The Kings fan who happened again. You can't watch that quarter and not be uh, giddy, not I be happy. That. So I, I appreciate the opportunity to discuss it. Uh, check out Cinephobe. Cinephobe now part of uh, the Lebitard Show, Metal Lark Media Network, uh, where we every Thursday will have a new money, uh, new movie. Uh, the month of May was Vehicle Month, where we did Dude, Where's My Car, <laughs> Taxi with Queen Latifah and Jimmy Fallon. We did Soul Plane, and we did Maximum Overdrive with Michelle Beadle as our as our uh, co-host. 
Um, and then the month of June is Matthew McConaughey month. So we're doing uh, <laughs> Beach Bomb. We did Ghosts of Girlfriends Pass. We're going to do Two for the Money. And we're going to do uh, a special uh, guest episode at the end of the month with a, a famous comedian who's going to join us. And so that's going to be that's going to be a fun one. Um, so just check out Cinephobe every Thursday, wherever you get podcasts, part of the Metal Arc Media Network. And then uh, NBA Radio, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, every morning from 7 to 10 a.m. Pacific time. And uh, check out The Athletic. I think it's the best coverage of sports. I'm not just saying that. I've been a subscriber before they paid me to uh, to write for them, and I will be a subscriber after they stop paying me uh, to write for them. So check out uh, The Athletic, who I truly believe does a great job. Zach is a star. You just heard it. What a great episode. Zach, thanks again so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Neil. Appreciate it. That's it. That's the show. Many thanks to Mr. Zach Harper, a phenomenal guest. Special thanks to the team over at Basketball Reference. That site is an invaluable tool to this show, and I want to give them some credit. Lastly, thanks to you all for listening. If you like the show, please let me know so I can thank you directly. Credits all first ballot music is created by my guy, Rhythm J. Follow him on social at Rhythm J. The show is edited by Rob 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 Robarucci, produced by Jessica Singh. Hope you come back next week for more first ballot. And Robbie, play something funny right here. Rob, if you can just edit me in going, it's like a 40% loaded goatee. <laughs>